This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. This subject is a beginning of a, a study that's going to be dealt with in this place. It's a study of the parables of the Lord Jesus Christ. What we need to do first of all, I think, is to <clears throat> just see the way that parables fit in to the ministry of the Lord Jesus. And during the first year of Jesus' ministry, he started to teach the people and preach to them. He preached things concerning the kingdom of God and the character of the people who would inherit that kingdom. The great miracles that Jesus performed reveal God's power that was invested in him. And that power demonstrated the truth that came forth from Jesus' words. And this was so impressive that the leaders of the Jews at that time couldn't help but see that this man was something special. And one of the leaders of the Jews was called Nicodemus. And I'm going to read to you now from John's Gospel record that tells us how Nicodemus came to Jesus by night seeking more information regarding the kingdom of God. And you'll see from John chapter 3 and at verse 1 that this Pharisee came to him and this is what he asked. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So clearly Jesus' miracles demonstrated that he had come from God because no man could do such marvellous miracles that Jesus did unless God, the God of heaven, was behind his work. Secondly, Jesus taught by his very example, his life. He demonstrated in his life God's ways. He taught his followers, his disciples, how to pray. He taught them how to forgive one another. And most of all, he taught them how to have compassion. And it was midway through his second year, the second year of Jesus' ministry, that he introduced a new method of teaching and that is our subject for this evening and the new method that Jesus introduced in his second year was the method of parables and you'll find that during this period parables were used extensively in his teaching and his preaching so what are parables? well parables if you look at the Greek word for parables say that they are to compare together parables compare 
And so Jesus compared natural things that he sees around him with spiritual things. Things that come from directly from God in the truth that he preached. Stories of everyday life will be seen in the parables that are dealt with from this place over the next few weeks. So we could define a parable then if we wanted to keep it very, very simple in simple terms. A parable is a story. But a story that has a hidden meaning. The fact that Jesus' disciples asked him that very question, what is a parable? They wanted to know. They didn't really know themselves. They could see it was a story. But what, why did he teach in parables? That's what they wanted to know. Well, the answer is given for us in Matthew uh, uh, 13. If you'd like to turn Matthew 13 up, you'll see there uh, what the disciples wanted to know and how uh, miracles uh, were going to be used. And Jesus explains to them why he was going to teach in miracles. And before he considered, we consider the answer that Jesus gives, we've got to take account of the change of circumstances that had happened. He was in the second year of his ministry. Things were changing and the rulers were become, becoming agitated and they were plotting against Jesus, plotting against his death. The, the leaders were beginning to, to reject his claims. They were criticising his labours and so Jesus reason for speaking in parables was because of this changed attitude that has started to develop before the people that were there. The leaders were leading the people in the wrong direction away from Jesus. And so Matthew 13 demonstrates that for us when the disciples said, why, why are you speaking like this? Why are you speaking in parables? And if you look at chapter 13 and at verse 11... Jesus answers the question. He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken, even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they see and see not. And hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, By hearing ye shall hear, and not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their hearts and should be converted and should heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see these things which ye see and have not seen them and to hear these things which ye hear and have not heard them. So there we see Jesus explaining why he was using parables. And we notice that the parables were there, really, for twofold reason. This is 
how we can see the particles. What, they, what were they supposed to do? Well, they were supposed to enlighten the minds. But they would enlighten the minds who were receptive to that word. The mind of the people who were humble, not the proud. So it would confound the proud. But the humble of heart would remember the parable, remember the story. Uh, and they would meditate upon that story. And gradually they would understand. But the contrary situation with the proud. Those who criticised Jesus at this time, like the scribes and Pharisees. They were prejudiced against him. So they didn't listen to the lesson. They didn't think about the lesson. And their hearts weren't changed. And they didn't understand Jesus' teaching. So response is very important. Those that responded to Jesus' teaching, in particular, seemed to be a class of people who were rejected by the proud of this world. We're told that they drew near to him, who were described as publicans and sinners. And you'll find that if you can turn now with me to Luke's Gospel record, chapter 15, that we read in way of introduction. And there, if you look at chapter 15 of Luke's record, right at the beginning, <coughs> it tells us, doesn't it? Then drew near unto him all the publicans and the sinners to hear him. These, they were receptive. In contrast, it says, the scribes, uh, the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man eateth, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. So, so they found fault with Jesus because he, he mixed with men that they thought were unfit company for a righteous man. And this was the reason really why Jesus delivered a series of parables and these parables are classed here at this stage. You'll notice that we've read three of them here in this chapter 15. There are actually five in the series and they generally refer to the parables that are called the parables of the lost. And you'll see later why the parables are described in this way. They are considered as one theme and this is part of it it's the, it's the third one in this series and it's the parable of the prodigal son that we're going to hone in on for our subject um, uh, this afternoon so just basically if we um, look at this, this parable that was uh, read in way of introduction you'll notice there the story starts with a, a younger son and the younger son, as you can see from verse 12, uh, leaves his father's house to follow the pleasures of the world. I'll just pick the reading up there, part way through. And you'll see it's in verse 12. The man in verse 11 had two sons. That's the younger one we first of all look at. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me and he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance 
with riotous living. So they're the words that we want to uh, pick up there. He went to enjoy himself and it's described as riotous living. Having a good time is the words that we use today. And how many times have people said to us, oh come with us and let's have a good time. Uh, eat, drink and be merry is another way that sometimes we refer to it. And it tells us here that um, uh, in doing this he was wasting his substance. So the things that he had, he was wasting it. It was, it was for no good at all as far as he personally was concerned. And one day he had to face a mighty famine. And this happens in people's lives. You can have a good time, but the good time comes to an end. And it's when that good time comes to an end, and we're on our own, and we think, what a waste of time that was. That riotous living, that having a good time, wasn't really a good time. People have hangovers afterwards and things like this. It isn't the thing that brings benefit to individual people. And this, this young man went through this period and it says he had a feeling and it's a good way to look at it a feeling of emptiness another way of looking at it is pangs of conscience what am I doing this for what's it doing it's wrong I shouldn't be doing it so verse 14 tells us this and when he had spent all there rose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want so we find the young man now in a different situation he had everything before him and now he'd lost a lot. He was destitute, he was debased, he was comfortless. But then he reasoned with himself and he said, I would be better humbling myself. That strength of character in this young man, he was prepared to humble himself. These are the people Jesus was looking for. These are the people that the God of heaven is seeking even today. Those who will humble themselves. And it says, he returned home, not expecting to become a son again. He said, all I want to do is be a hired servant. That's his attitude of mind. That's what God's looking for. Humility, acceptance, to follow his father's ways in humility and verse 18 brings this out if you notice it it says I will arise he, he's made his own mind up now I will arise and I'm going to go to my father and say to him father I have sinned admission of personal sin I have sinned against heaven and before thee and he doesn't elevate himself does he humility and I am no more worthy to be called thy son make me one of thy hired servants now that's an attitude of mind he's ready for preparation into the house of God this is what we all must be like that's what the parable is telling us and the father on the other hand he was looking for him this is so encouraging to us isn't it he was looking watching the horizon waiting to see if he would return even with the passage of time he still waited did the father 
And if we look at the reading there and see what Jesus is telling us, he says, the father saw him when he was a great way off. He saw him coming back. He saw him making that decision. And he saw him a great way off. He was watching. And this shows that God is seeking those who are lost. He doesn't want the self-righteous. He's looking for those that are lost and humble themselves. Come to him. Verse 20. <clears throat> and he arose and came to his father. <clears throat> but when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. That's the response of the father. Look at the younger son now when he meets his father. Sees this response. He didn't just say in his mind, oh I'm going to be a son again. No, he said no. He didn't have any illusions that way. The younger son didn't think he deserved to be a son. He didn't deserve this reception. He was surprised at such a reception. All he was expecting was to be a servant in the house of his father. But the father, and this is referring to the father in heaven, the father responds to those who recognize their sin. He responds in a certain way. He responds through grace. With saved because of the grace of God. Not because of our own righteousness. And that's what we have to remember right at the beginning as we approach God. That's why the younger son is shown as a good example here. Verse 24 now. And here we see a different attitude coming forward now. For, his, for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found that's how the father saw the younger son and he began to be merry he was full of joy God delights not in the sinner he didn't delight in the son that had gone away as a sinner he delighted in the repentant sinner which is so important to us now that's a contrast here between the attitude of the elder son that stayed at home and is this is the emphasis in the parable the elder son was angry with the father of the house he had no right to be angry with the father of the house and yet he was and we can see this that he hadn't the same attitude as his father at all he had an attitude of arrogance. He thought he was justifiable in his position. And he thought his father owed him something. And it says that in verse 28. He was angry. I would not go in. He came out to his father. Therefore came out to his father. And entreated him. He says come in. And he answered. And said to his father. Lo these many years have I served thee. You're indebted to me, he's saying to his father. 
neither transgressed at any time thy commandment. Yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. So the words of the elder son shows us that he was conscious of one thing, his own righteousness. He thought he was righteous. He deserved what he'd got. In fact, he wanted more payment. He considered that he should be recompensed on the basis of law. I've stayed here. I, I followed the law. Grace never entered into what he'd done. He didn't understand the meaning of repentance. We see no idea in the character of this of this elder son we see no request for forgiveness he didn't need to be forgiven he was, he was self righteous so the, the final message from the parable to the elder son here shows that pride in this son demonstrated from the service that he presented to the house and yet when put to the test the real son that was lost was the elder son he was lost to himself he'd been removed from the father's mind as it were because he, he thought he was greater than the house itself he was unable to rejoice with his father he hadn't got the same mind as his father and he couldn't rejoice at his brother's change of heart so who did the Elderson represent? Well it's clear. Thinking about it you can see right away. It's the Pharisees. The Pharisees. Who looked at Jesus. Who represented the Father. And they rejected his mind. They rejected his ways. And yet the younger son who was a sinner. He, he came to listen to his father. Not, not expecting made important in the house just wanted to serve in the house and so the response is important repentance from his former way of life and that's what we have to do we have to repent from our former way of life we can't approach God and say I, I am good I'm perfect I don't I, I, that, that's why you know you can use me because I'm good and that's, that's not the attitude God wants repentance what we've got to understand is that we can't approach God in pride none of us no man can pride themselves in the sight of God and we can never be justified by a law we can't be justified in our own righteousness and this is brought out for us quite clearly as human beings we're sinful that's why we're going to die but it's the grace of God that causes to be raised from the dead and that's the whole point here if you look at, with me at Romans now Romans chapter 3 you can see here that all have sinned we've all come short of the glory of God and this is how we must start our walk towards the kingdom of God the house of God. Romans 3, verse 9. What then? 
Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin, no matter who we are. We're all under sin. Scribes, Pharisees, sinners, Gentiles, whatever you like to call us, we're all under sin. As it's written, there's none righteous, no, not one. And if you go into verse 23 now it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But then the grace of the Father comes into play as he sees the younger son come into the house. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare I say at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier him which believeth in Jesus so we've got to approach the father of the house with humility we've got to show true repentance because of our sins we've got to look for the grace that the father will extend to us and the forgiveness that God is prepared to extend to each one of us individually and so we come back to that important point about the younger son it was when he came back that he pleased the father so it isn't the sinner that's welcomed back into that house. It's the repentant sinner that is welcomed into the house of God. The one who's changed his ways and comes in humbleness of mind as a servant, willing to be a servant. And God in his grace and love will elevate him to, to the position of a son. And so the first step of true repentance is humility. Humility is followed by belief in the word of the Father and the promises that the Father makes. And with that belief we are baptised into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So then we can enter as sons adopted into the house of the Father. And this comes out for us, and we use this to, to conclude. This comes out for us in the Acts of the Apostles. As the Apostles went out to preach the good news of God's house, God's kingdom. And you'll find it in Acts chapter 3. And the process again is given for us quite clearly there that we've been going through in the parable of the prodigal son. First thing, repent. And verse 19 of Acts 3. Peter says there preaching the gospel repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord and he shall send Jesus Christ which before was preached unto you and the heavens must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God has spoken the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began. 
For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear the prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that followed after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abram, In thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. And you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you, in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. That was the younger son, turning away from his iniquities and being able to go into the kingdom of God that was promised to the house of Abraham. And so finally we leave the words with you that um, we use when we baptise people, that there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe, and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk.